Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Juice Ball Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Jensen. Some of you know me as Juicy. And with me today, I had a guest that I was really excited to get on, which is going to be Mason McRae, who is, uh, I think, one of the better minds in the uh, analytics Twitter right now in baseball. And uh, someone I was really excited to talk to. Uh, someone I've known for quite a while since uh, back when I was, maybe even before I started Prospects Live, but definitely when I was first starting up there uh, during the whole Daniel Espino draft class, which in hindsight, was just an absolutely loaded draft class, but gone to know pretty well through that process and someone whose work I'm always really excited to look at. Uh, Mason, how you doing? Good. Thank you for having me here. Uh, yes, we were indeed the Espino guys back in the day. Yeah. Shout out to Matt as well, the third member of the Espino boys. So uh, tell me a little about yourself. I know uh, you had some work with the Cubs this year. Uh, what's your background? Yeah, so work with the Cubs this summer. Uh, go to VCU. I'm uh, about to be a senior. Uh, and then I help out my dad's team at William and Mary. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So uh, how was the experience with the Cubs? Uh, it was good. Uh, I actually love Chicago despite getting 30 texts from people saying uh, how bad it would be and how much I'd hate, whether it be driving, whether it be living there, whether it be the gas prices, uh, so on and so forth. But I actually <laughs> loved it so much. We'll, we'll see about the winters. We'll see. <laughs> I remember... One of the first times I ever went to Chicago is the middle of the winter and it was deep in the negatives and a little bit. And I was just ridiculously cold, but I've really enjoyed every other time I've been. It's a great city. That's for sure. But yeah, that's exciting. Are you going to try to pursue a career in baseball long term or what would you plan to say? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Fair enough. Fair enough. But what I really want to talk to you today is about a your scouting process and b your top 100 list because i thought that was really fascinating i took a lot away from it personally so i guess first kind of get into uh, what's your process for scouting ranking especially setting up something like a top 100 list uh i would say usually you kind of look at other lists just to like find 150 guys to look at and i would say you look at those 150 guys rank them sort of go through them uh, and then I would say after that, you kind of go to like leaderboard, sort filter and stuff for a bunch of numbers that you like. And that's how I kind of found a couple of guys at the bottom. Somebody like uh, Troy Milton would be one example. Justice Bigby would be another example. Uh, both Tigers, ironically. Uh, just the guys like with good numbers that are like almost never on prospect lists. Uh, and then at the top, uh, those guys usually just a lot of numbers, videos, pretty much. That makes sense. Makes sense. And yeah, definitely mentioning two guys that I was wanting to talk about later. And I think kind of leads me right into the next thing I want to talk about, which was uh, I noticed there was a good amount of Detroit Tigers, I think six of them in the top 100 on your list, which was uh, Jackson Job, at least at the time it came out a while ago. I don't know if it's changed now. It was at 12. I had Matt Clark at 14, Colt Keith at 23, Jay Stung at 36, um, the aforementioned Melton at 70, and then Bigby at 100. How do you feel about how the Detroit system is uh, kind of looking going forward? I, I feel like it's taken a jump this year. I don't know if that's just me. Yeah, uh, they didn't they just get someone with two last names from the Braves? Oh, uh, Henry Malloy. Yeah, like he's all he didn't even make my list. He's also really good. Uh, it seems. Pretty stacked, honestly. Uh, Dingler came around this year. Uh, Torkelson's not really in the system, but he was much better this year. Uh, yeah, especially just, at the end of the year. In the big league, in the big league club, seemed to be good too. Green. 
Yeah, there's a lot there. There's a lot, it's a system, like a system, especially like development process that I've kind of been out on for a while. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of coming around to them pretty strongly. I, I saw like real signs of growth, I felt like in the system and also at the major league level, but especially in the development system. So it's kind of interesting. It's good news for the first time in a while in Detroit, it feels like. So I'm kind of excited to see that. It's always fun when a system that's been down for a while starts to tick up suddenly, especially as a Mariners fan who got to experience that a few years ago. Uh, but did want to jump into your top 100 and uh, kind of start off with some of the things that jumped out to me initially. Uh, the first thing was uh, something that for a long time was pretty chalk and now has kind of become somewhat contentious, which is uh, at least at the time you put this out, had Cruz over Lankford. I want to see if that's still true. And if so, uh, what's your rationale for that? Because I know you're a big Cruz guy, even in high school coming out. Yeah, uh, Cruz being in center field, like how like in terms of the best of the best prospects and floors for them, being a premium position player gives you so much more of a floor than someone who is pretty much a lock to be in left field. Maybe they're average and right, which would be Langford. So I guess in the fantasy world, in the fantasy baseball world, maybe there's an argument for a good argument for Langford over Cruz since it's so much more offense driven, but in the real valuable world, uh, it's, I feel like Cruz just for starters being the center fielder. I feel like for three years, he was the best hitter in college baseball hit the ball hard, you know, didn't really chase that much. It, it, the entire swing profile was basically Mike Trout, which maybe Mike Trout's the one unicorn that can make a steep but late swing path work. But I just, Cruz kind of did it for a long time. Yeah, yeah, that's valid. Track record is 100% there. And I don't really remember too much about Wyatt Langford coming out of high school for sure. He definitely showed up pretty well at Florida after, I think he didn't play much his first year, did he? I don't even remember. Yeah, this, that's fair. This year was 2020, so he probably didn't play much, right? Or is he 2021? Uh, I think I think it was. I think he came out in 2020, didn't he? I could be wrong on that, though. I'm not 100 sure on that, but I definitely know he wasn't like a household name. Like Cruz definitely was coming out, where definitely had some first round uh, buzz coming out. But yeah, it's interesting. I definitely see that case, especially when you're factoring real life. And I mean, it is. I don't really get why Langford struggles so much to play center field. Like he seems like he should. He's so fast, but uh, it's hard to deny it too. <laughs> you know, yeah. results are results. Uh, next thing I wanted to get into was uh, Jackson Holiday fifth overall. That that's lower than consensus. That's lower than consensus. I can see a case for it, but I'd like to hear your case for it. Well, like I when I wrote this, I feel like Langford at four was probably high, honestly. And I mean, I love Langford. Probably. Maybe the best hitter in the draft. Pretty good argument for that. Uh, Cam and Arrow also love. Uh, but both of those guys being non-premium position guys, that kind of hurts him. Uh, Holiday, I think part of it is the fact that I'm still not sure he's a shortstop, honestly. Now, the only reason I still ranked him so high, despite maybe not being a shortstop, is because Lawler had the same issue as a baby in the pro ball game. Uh, he was terrible at short. Not terrible. He wasn't good, and then he completely flipped the script. So I'm just not going to write off Holiday yet short. I still think he can be there long term, but it's a question. And his he doesn't really have an outlier tool. Like his production is incredible, which is why it's hard not to put him so high. But he doesn't have really good raw power. Doesn't have insane bat to ball skills. He doesn't. He, he's a plus decision maker, and that's probably his best part. But he doesn't have 70, 80 grade raw power like Cameron Arrow, 
doesn't have insane athleticism with 80 grade raw power like Wood, uh, and he doesn't have elite production in the SEC in center field like Cruz. So that's probably why I have him below them. That's fair. That's fair. And it does feel to me like it's kind of a tier at the top. And like you mentioned, a lot of outlier tools and technology seems a lot more well-rounded to me. I, I think too, I, I would say that the reason he doesn't have that track record, you can make cases because he's so young still, which kind of goes against him. But I thought that was interesting. It, it definitely seems like going into this year, the top of the like prospect list is a lot more stacked than it was coming into last year. I felt like last year it was kind of soft at the top compared to most years. And this year definitely feels a lot more loaded, probably because they had such a strong draft class at the top. But yeah, next thing I wanted to get into was another uh, potential shortstop, potential non-shortstop. But I'm a big fan of Colson Montgomery. Uh, he's been a guy that I've been into for quite a while and kind of like my lone guy I like really like in Chicago. And uh, so I noticed that you had him in the top 10, which kind of went against consensus uh, for a while this year. I don't really understand why, but uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on Colson Montgomery. Was he lower? Yeah, he was in like the 30s to the 50s on a lot of lists this year. Interesting. Uh, I I think early on, him being so old probably hurt him a little bit, uh, being 19 and a half years old when he was drafted, I think, somewhere around there. But like really good athlete that I think was underrated out of high school, and I think people thought he was a third baseman, but he's clearly a shortstop, if not maybe a plus third baseman if he has to move over. But like Corey Seager, size, power, athleticism at shortstop, Pretty, pretty easy profile to love. Yeah, yeah, it's hard not to like that. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he's a much better athlete than you think. He doesn't necessarily look super fast, but he's just super athletic. Like his movements are really strong. Kind of almost looks like he has a basketball background or something like that when you watch him moving. Something that I see a lot. So yeah, I'm a big fan of Cole Montgomery. So I was, I was happy to see that one up there. Uh, another one I talk about is uh, I think you've kind of at, at some times been a bit of a champion for the uh, taller, taller hitter profile. Not. Not every player. Don't seem to be on the every player. It's not littered with six foot seven guys. But I did notice had James Wood at number two, which I'd say is a little spicy right now compared to consensus. I'm not arguing with it. I'm a big fan. But uh, I noticed that. And then also uh, Spencer Jones all the way up at 18. So my next question is really of the other guys that are over six foot six, is there another guy that you're looking at that you're really into the profile of? And then what makes you love those profiles so much? Uh. Uh, just the ability to do damage and then the amount of size with athleticism is really good. Uh, Lazario Montez is also, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll see like six five. He's, yeah, six four, six five. It's tough to tell sometimes kids because they, they keep growing, but I think he was listed at like six four, two fifteen or something like that. Yeah, he's another one of those guys. Uh, and then Alicantra is an easy one. He's like pretty much oh, yeah. in the Spencer Jones tier. Yeah, he. I remember him when he was like 15, 16, putting up ridiculous exit velocities. I think I got him somewhere later on the list talked about, so I won't go too deep into that. But uh, yeah, I'm sure you've got some uh, inside intel on him too after uh, spending some with the Cubs here. But yeah, I've been on Alcantara for a long time. He's a really fun player. Really fun player. I would uh, say but- the, two, the two like easiest things to quantify would be defense and power and if you have those it's really good and so the six foot six freak athletes in center field usually have both of those and obviously alicantra jones james wood they all have that and so that's why i like him so much do you worry at all about the longevity of being able to play a position like that at six foot six aaron judge that's fair it's hard to argue with that 
He's like Hard the best. Out. He's one of the best defenders in the outfield, playing center field now. What is he? Thirty-two, thirty-one, something like that. Yeah, he's about my age, so that makes sense. But yeah, that's that's fair. And we got a long run out of uh, uh, Jason Hayward too. Actually, played some pretty solid defense, and he was pretty heavy too when he was doing. I feel like was Drew as tall as was he as big as his son? I don't remember off the top. I want to say he was six foot three, but I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Got to look that up later now. Don't want to sound like an idiot on here, but man, he was he was fun to watch back in the day. There's no way around that. Uh, man, Drew Jones though that that is someone that I've always been a little bit more lukewarm on on Drew Jones, but uh, we can get into that another time. <laughs> we can get into that another time. But uh, I, I was really into the small guys in that class, but in the 23 class, I noticed this list is fairly stacked, especially for how short of a time we are after the draft uh, for the uh, 2023 players. Notice you had 17 players on the list, which was uh, Dylan Cruz, White Langford, had Jenkins on there, Max Clark, Skeens at 25, uh, Davis at 33, uh, Tommy Troy at 37, Bradfield at 41, Martin at 49, Brock Wilkin at 51, uh, Matthews at 55 is a little spicy one. I know that's uh, been one of your guys historically. Uh, Hurston Waldrop at 57, another guy that I definitely agree with you on throughout the process. Uh, Shaw at 62, uh, Arjun Namal at 72, uh, Meyer at 80, Cole Emerson at 87, one of my personal guys. I also want to talk about later, Teal 89. And I uh, just kind of want to get a quick hit on some of those guys and how you feel about the class overall. But uh, how do you see Jenkins versus Clark? Uh, it's basically Langford and Cruz where one of them's a center fielder and the other one's the better hitter. So for me, I took the opposite in this one, whereas Jenkins is Langford and I had Cruz over Langford. This time I have Langford over Clark or sorry. Uh, yeah. Langford over Clark or, um, Jenkins. I know what you're saying Clark. Jenkins. Yeah. 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 Jenkins. Uh, but also I, still true. I, you did have Langford over Clark as well. Yes, uh, which, uh, uh, apparently Detroit did not. I I'm not done writing off um, Jenkins in center field, so I still think he might be a center fielder, but it's like forty percent chance. Whereas I think Clark is like a plus center fielder every day. There clearly again, like a every day one sixty center field type. Do you have any thoughts on like the player development differences between uh, Detroit, at least what they looked like this year in Minnesota? Like, how do you feel about those systems? Uh, Minnesota seemed to churn out like power hitting offensive guys every year. Maybe too many of them are platoon guys, but I don't know if that's on purpose. Yeah, it does. It does seem that way. That's, that's fair. I think I'm just, I find myself a little bit higher in Detroit where like we definitely saw Clark struggle a little bit with his promotion, but I think I'm still super in on him, especially with how I saw that system kind of develop hitters up the top. Um, and I just, I don't know. There's something about it like where I think it's every time I've watched Max Clark, he's just gone off every game. So I have that live look bias, I think, a little bit. But I, that's going to be, to me, like one of the things I'm most excited to see next year is those two guys battling it out to see, you know, who comes out the best in that prep class. Uh, another one that's pretty similar from the draft class is uh, Tommy Troy versus Shaw. I know at least on your list when you had it out, had uh, Troy at 37 and Shaw at 62. I'm a big Matt Shaw guy personally. I, always, I haven't ever since the Cape Cod last year. So just interested to hear your thoughts on those two. Yeah, uh, Shaw won the Cape MVP, which I think is like the most important thing to do in, in the draft now, just with all the bat stuff and the metal bat issues. 
but I don't think he's going to play short, and I don't think he'll play third, which puts him at second, which puts him pretty much on the same playing field as Troy. And Troy absolutely mashed last year for Stanford. Great decision maker, great bat the ball, hits the ball well, and he pulls the ball in the air at Crapton too, which is all of those Shaw does except for decisions. He's a terrible decision maker, and he probably won't walk much, which kills a little bit of his production. That's fair. That's fair. Did you catch anything internally? Because if I remember correctly, you were with the Cubs during that draft. Was there anything like in-house about that that you uh, took away? Uh, I was there, yeah. Uh, I, I didn't really take much away, no. Okay, just had to ask. Had to, that, that's a fair assessment. That's a fair assessment. I I, uh, I don't know, man. There's just something about the way the ball comes off his bat where it just seems different whenever I, I see Matt Shaw. But I like both players quite a bit. I was, I was hoping both of them were making 22 at the time, but uh, I'm still pretty happy with how it turned out for the Mariners, uh, which kind of leads me into one thing that, drove me crazy a lot throughout this draft process, even before he was with the Mariners, which is the power grades on Cole Emerson's bat, which was one of the first things that really drew me to your list. Not that I wasn't already looking at it, but uh, I I felt the whole time, especially when I got live looks at Cole Emerson saw like, he's a big kid. Like there's no way around it. You see him listed. I think he was listed a lot of time, like six, one, one ninety, And there's, there's no way he's definitely bigger than that and super broad shouldered. So power projection, you'd think it'd be there. But he hits the ball pretty damn hard. And I've seen a lot of 40s, like maybe occasional 45s, but never even a 50 on his power grade. And that, that kind of shocked me personally. And I disagreed strongly and was pretty vocal about it. And I saw you had our grade. So uh, kind of interested to see from someone who takes the numbers very seriously and has good access, like what you think about Colt Emerson's power. I think he had the highest 90th percentile EV of any high schooler. So, I mean, clearly he has good power, right? Like, that was an up for debate. And I, he had good power numbers, too, just the box score stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was it a was super confusing process to me. I think starting to kind of see a shift now where people are starting to come around to that a little bit. I think maybe it was something that he was just so young when a lot of people were scouting him last year. But I don't know. That one blew me away where, especially, too, like, I mean, he's kind of almost built, like, not quite Fernando Tatis level, but kind of has that same frame where you see him around other players that are super broad shouldered. Like he does not look out of place at all. So that stuck out to me quite a bit. Uh, a couple people that I wasn't as high on that I noticed that you're high on uh, were Martin Matthews and Namala. So it's kind of interesting to get your takes on those guys and kind of uh, do some self-examination to see if I should change my tune on these guys. Uh, Martin is in the Colson Montgomery territory, 19 and a half years old, plus athlete, shortstop, um, from the middle of nowhere. So kind of hurts him, but, uh, he was great on the area code games, went deep, had numerous balls over a hundred, hits the ball. Well, that's pretty much why I liked him. He like, like plus plus athlete, just like the giants first round pick. Uh, what's his name? The two way oh, guy. Right. Oh, yeah, I'm blanking right now, too, for some reason. Like another but, uh, athlete they took with size. Yeah, someone uh, I thought but, you might be talking about for the super tall guys. Uh, I'm blanking, yeah. too, though. Yeah. Uh, Matthews, uh, just power hitter, really good bat-to-ball, really good decisions. I don't know why he's struggled so much in pro ball. Not struggled so much, but like he hasn't been great. And I think he's a shortstop. But like he could move to second, could move to the outfield. Honestly, he's a plus runner, great athlete with bat speed. And who was the last one of the three you said? Oh, it was uh, Arjun Namala. Arjun Namala. Okay, 
Yeah, uh, another power guy. He struggles a little bit with making contact, but he's super, super young. Not a great athlete, but a decent defender, and I think he should play shortstop, but he's not as good of an athlete as Walker uh, or as uh, the Mariners first rounder we were talking about. Yeah, Cole Emerson. And yeah, it's Bryce Eldridge was the uh, Giants player. It just came back to me. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I, I I did like Walker Martin. I, I shouldn't have said I just wasn't quite as high as putting him uh, fairly high in the top 100 yet. But he was, I mean, his tape, it, level of competition was definitely a little little iffy. But I mean, the the way his bat was just crushing the ball out of there in, in altitude and uh, like, we get like 18 home runs in something like 20 something games or something like that. Just ridiculous stats. And he's uh he was like a really good, uh, like athletic testing guy too. Wasn't he? He was. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot to like there. There's a lot to like there and yeah, definitely great athletes all around. Definitely a lot of power. I just, I shy away from some of the contact issues personally, I think in my process, I think that gets me a little bit lower, but, uh, I do like Walker Martin. He's my favorite of those three for sure. And you've heard good things about Arjun Mall taking jumps so far uh, since he's been in pro ball. So there's definitely a lot to like there. Uh, other thing I wanted to get into was uh, your take on Skeens versus Walter. Because I know that you are a very big Stuff Plus guy. I think you do you even have your own system, if I remember correctly. I do, yeah. Yeah, so I'm really interested to get your take on that because I think that's been a really interesting debate. Uh, Skeens has the higher upside and ceiling because if he gets developed, the velo part will make him explode and he already has the command. Right now, if either of them had to pitch in the MLB, I would take Waldrip because he actually has good big league stuff, whereas Skeens just throws hard and has a decent changeup. Uh, but like Skeens' production was really good, which honestly I don't really care that much about for pitchers, to be honest. Some of the worst pitchers in college have been great in the MLB. And some of the best have been awful. Uh, for Waldrip, you already saw him shove in the minor leagues because Atlanta finally stopped basically destroying his pitch usage like Florida was. I think he threw like 78% fastballs in 1-0, and 3-1 counts. And then Atlanta had him throwing like 55%. And then like you saw the numbers, right? And that's probably going to keep trending in that direction. And it's also going to lead to more strikes because his fastball was his worst strike pitch too. His slider and his splitter were better strike pitches. So, yeah, I'm with you. And yeah, the Braves. It just felt like the perfect landing place just to develop Waldrop to me, at least personally. I think I'd be interested in your take on this. Which one of those do you think is more likely to be become a legitimate like SP one, like a legitimate ace, like not one of the top thirty pitchers in baseball, but a legitimate ace? And then which do you think is more likely to wind up like an SP two in the pros? I think if Waldrip and Skeens hit their 90th percentile outcome, Waldrip will be pretty close. I think if they both hit their 50th, Skeens is going to be better, which means Skeens is the safer, better player. I think if Waldrip hits his 10th percentile outcome, he's going to be double A innings struggler walking seven per nine, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think Skeens is 10% outcome is still like a number five. So That's Skeens fair. holds like the ceiling, the the floor and the ceiling, he doesn't necessarily explode. Um, but like Waldrop kind of landed in the perfect place too. I thought the Guardians were gonna take him, kind of like with Gavin Williams, like a college guy with absurd stuff that like they're not big on taking pitchers, but like when a pitcher blows up their model, they've taken them before with Espino. 
with Williams, two guys with absurd stuff. Yeah, Ethan Hankins as well, I remember too. I, I He was a guy I liked a lot in high school as well. There's, there's a lot to like there. Yeah, it's, it's I feel the same way where it's just like you can see a path to at least three plus pitches pretty quickly with Waldrop, which I liked quite a bit. But uh, I, I am. How do you feel about the Pirates pitching development? I feel like they took a huge step forward this year as well. Yeah, they hired a new guy from I think DBU Hooper. Oh, really? For like two years ago, and he's been pretty good. Jared, I didn't Jones notice that. Early. Yeah, Jared Jones especially. There's a lot of pitchers in that Pirates system that felt like they just jumped a ton this year. So I was more bullish than I would historically be on Skeens going to the Pirates. But it's really hard not to love Waldrip to the Braves. I mean. That was one of those, like, at the time of the pick, it looked like an amazing fit, and then everything you've seen since then, it's just like, oh, yeah, that figures they would do that. But it was pretty surprising to see Walter make it all the way past, like, the Orioles, past the Mariners, past Cleveland, like you said. Like, so many spots where it just make all the sense in the world for them to take him. Uh, kind of wanted to go over a couple of the guys that, like, you seem like you were somewhat the high mark guy on in the industry, at least from what I was looking, just kind of quickly glancing. Uh, one that really jumped out to me was uh, Carson Williams at number eight. And uh, interesting to get your take on that. And if it like, because a decent amount of people are going to be listening to this are probably going to be fantasy oriented. Like how does the translation to fantasy work for you with Carson Williams? Don't ever ask me about fantasy, please. <laughs> that's, no, fair. No that's fair. I helped somebody out with fantasy with the draft and that's about it. Um, so Williams, great shortstop. Uh, I would throw him in PCA territory. He's going to swing and miss a lot, but he's going to hit home runs and play plus defense. And like I said earlier, those are like the two best traits to have because they're pretty easy to quantify, relatively speaking. I don't think anything is easy to quantify, but those are two of the easier ones. And he has both of them, and they're both plus tools. That's fair, yeah. He's he's definitely been a guy that popped a lot in like the more i watched and the more i wind up liking him quite a bit i don't i don't have the numbers quite as much but uh yeah he's he's live looks you can tell he's a tremendous athlete uh and then uh we mentioned alcantara earlier it'd be kind of fun time to jump into him a little bit who'd you say uh kevin alcantara oh i believe yeah. was uh 16th overall for you which is which is fairly high yeah great athlete um i don't know why people don't love him like, I guess people don't like Spencer Jones that much either. Just an incredible athlete that hammers the ball. He's going to get screwed over by PCA too because he's going to play like right field or something. But he could be an easy above average center fielder that can hit home runs, uh, freak athlete, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. He feels, he feels like one of the few guys that like both analytics guys and traditional scouting guys are higher on than like the consensus. I don't know. Maybe it's like overall like slash lines, not that great or something like that, but it's pretty impossible not to like dive a little deeper into the numbers and be like, damn, like he's doing what? And then also when you see him live, like you can tell, you can tell he, he's a really impressive player to watch. Uh, I noticed you had chase Hampton at 27 who I like quite a bit, but, that's higher than a lot of pitchers. So I was, I was interested to see like why you like Chase Hampton so much. Yeah, Hampton, when I was looking at him late June, I think it was. No, middle of July. He was like not even on top 30s at the time. And then like a week later, an update came out. He was like 60th, I think, on Baseball Americas or something crazy. Like he jumped like way up. Uh, he is electric. He's like the perfect Yankee pitcher. Uh, they, he had a carrying four seam in college. He had like a whatever cutter 
they gave him a sweeper, I believe, and then they made his cutter better, and his changeup is good. And he also had a curveball in college, but it was a little bit slow. It had a good shape, and then they just made the curveball harder. And he has five good pitches, five usable pitches. I would say four of them are good. And he can rely on his four seam some days, his cutter some days, his sweeper some days, his curveball some days. Like he's electric, and he throws them all for strikes too. So let's say 80th percentile outcome, like bullish, but not like shooting the moon here. What, what kind of pitch do you think he is in the press? Three and a half, four wins. That's good. That's a damn good player. That's a damn good player. Okay. That is, that makes me even more excited about Chase Hampton, who is someone like, he seemed like one of the first guys where it's like, when you're hearing what scouts are talking about, so many people are talking about Chase Hampton. And then like the more you heard, everything you just heard was super positive the whole year. Uh, another guy kind of like that was Zach Dezenzo, who uh, is not someone I've actually really seen too much in my looks. So I'm, I'm definitely particularly interested to get your take on his uh, upside and what you think he's going to be. Yeah, so I thought he was going to be like a first base left field type, but he's actually been like all right at third base. He was a college shortstop, but he was terrible there. And he's not a great athlete, honestly. He's a little bit stiff, but like incredible power. He doesn't swing and miss as much as he has, and his swing's got a little bit flatter too, which is good. Uh, the risk, though, is he's like a Patrick Wisdom type, uh, which is just like an inconsistent power hitter with not great defense, which is like a second division regular, honestly. But I think he could be average, maybe above average pro, and I think that the, it depends on if he can be an average third baseman. Like I think he maybe could be. Like he's flashed time. Like there's been some plays down the line he's made, diving, getting up, making a throw that I didn't think he's ever shown in the past before at short. I think that player does help him out a little bit, getting in that uh, professional nutrition, something like that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, he's he's someone that yeah I heard a little bit about last year, but never like actually got live looks at, and then he was just yeah pretty ridiculous this year from everything I heard. Uh. We mentioned a little bit earlier Jared Jones and kind of that pirate system in general, but uh, he's someone that I was definitely interested to get your take on because he was another guy that I did get quite a few looks at live this year, and he was really impressive the way he was throwing and just the kind of the strides he took from last year to this year. So interesting to get your takes on him. Yeah, he has an absolute hammer of a slider, and then his four seam is pretty good. Uh, I don't think he threw his stuff for strikes a lot in the past, but this year he kind of jumped forward there. His fastball ended up performing a little bit better because of that, too. He just didn't have to throw a crap ton of fastballs, and it got hit a little bit around. That's fair. And I know – so I've definitely seen you post uh, some stuff along the lines of uh, command isn't real. <laughs> so I'm interested to take – does it seem – Jared Jones, for me, seems like an example of – they're just like, hey, like don't try to pinpoint it. Just throw it over the strike zone and see what happens. Like you've got good stuff. Like let it go. Do you think that's been embraced a little bit more in certain dev systems recently? Yeah, I would say probably all the smart teams are <laughs> doing that, honestly. The Rays, like the more like notable example, that's like everybody knows that now. The Rays just most guys are throwing it middle middle. Yeah. I'm assuming yeah, the teams do it too. I think they do, uh, but I'm assuming they do. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It definitely seems that way. Of particularly to me, like this year, it made it seem like a huge jump. There's a lot of systems that are doing it. Uh, the Cubs have a ton of guys with just ridiculous stuff too that kind of been jumping in there. I've noticed that quite a bit. 
Uh, I was thinking uh, maybe some quick hitters on uh, kind of like let you choose between uh, Denzel Clark, Elijah Green, uh, Reggie Crawford, and uh, Matt Festa, kind of all guys that were in the 40s to early 50s for you. Uh, maybe pick one of those guys, talk about it real quick. Clark's another guy with size, athleticism, power. Uh, Festa is just a solid number four type, uh, not like Jones, but I would say the value is going to end up being like Jones's, like a decent number four that you like. Gives you one and a half wins in the rough years, gives you two wins usually, and gives you two and a half in the good years, uh, you know, which is worth a lot. Cost control. Uh, he's got a deep arsenal, very modern arsenal uh, with, you know, the sweeper cutter type of arsenal. Uh, and then the four seam too with carry. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And there's, yeah, there's a lot of interesting players there. Uh, then uh, I want to talk a bit about Troy Melton just because. Particularly, he was someone. This is very rare. This happens to me where I look at a top 100 list and there's someone that I really know like nothing about. And so when I looked at that, I saw Troy Melton 70. I was like, Who's Troy Melton? I'd never, I'd never seen him once. I swear to God. And the more I started looking into him, I was like, Oh, there's something here. And something I pay attention to quite a bit is when you hear the team's pitching coach say something like just ridiculous about someone. Like, I think, I think his pitching coach said that he had a chance to be a legitimate SP2. And that, that is something that I listen to quite a bit because they usually don't say stuff like that in one unprompted unless there's good reason for it. And when I watched Melton, he did jump quite a bit for me. So something I'm thankful that you kind of put to mind because I still haven't seen him anywhere close to top 100 list. And I think he definitely deserves there. So I'm interested to get your take on Trey Melton. Yep. Uh, pretty good floor because he has a deep arsenal. Uh, he doesn't have a great pitch. That's part of the issue though. It's like, for average, one or two is above average, but uh, like he throws all of them for strikes. I just think he can be number three, number four in a rotation next year, maybe. Oh, next year. So that's quick. Proximity is definitely a good thing there. Uh, last guy I want to talk about really on the uh, high marks was uh, Peyton Martin, just because he's someone that when I was watching him earlier this year, was another one of those guys where you just hear scouts left and right talking about him and kind of came up. And was just ridiculous stuff. And I'd like to hear that quantified, I guess. Yeah, so he mostly is a two-pitch guy, really good four-seam, and an okay slider. Like, honestly, comparable to Strider, like at the end of his first big league season, when it was like a pretty meh slider for big league caliber hitters and a really good four-seam. Like, he's like that right now. It's an 85 gyro ball, I think. Striders is like 87 and it's just below average, like a 95 stuff plus ish, but his four seems good. And I just think in that system, he's going to develop good athlete. Doesn't have size, but great athleticism, good mover throwing strikes so far, which at 18 years old, he might be 19 now, but 18 when he was throwing, throwing strikes, two pitches for strikes is valuable. Yeah. Anytime you get comp to Spencer Strider, that's going to get to my eyebrows raised there. So that's exciting. Yeah. He's, He's trying to ask that he seems like there's upside too if he fills out his frame a bit more too to add on a little more strength there. So he's definitely someone I'm really excited about personally. Uh, on the lower side, trying to get too deep into lower sides, but uh, Roman Anthony stuck out to me at 60. That seems uh, lower than the consensus this year. Uh, interesting to take on Roman Anthony. Not super low, clearly. Definitely solidly in the top 100, but you've seen him like top 10 on some lists, not even fantasy lists, like real-time lists. So I'm, I'm interested to get your take on him. Yeah, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe he's faced like it was like 15% of the pitchers he faced, like at bats he had were against lefties. 
So if you just look at the box score and like the total production and ignore splits, they're going to be incredible numbers because he faced very few lefties, but he was awful against lefties and he looked bad against them too. Like he got buckled by breaking balls against them. Like until he shows he can hit lefties, it's going to be hard to think he's a top 20 guy. He can't have a guy who's a platoon center fielder as a top 20 player. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. And, it is interesting how a walk gets missed in Satlin, especially platoon type stuff. I feel like a lot of the time in the lower levels. So that's interesting. That's something I'm gonna have to look for. I don't have super strong opinions either way on Roman Anthony. He's not someone I've seen a ton of, but definitely someone where there's a lot of buzz and uh, maybe got a little too out of control. We'll see. Uh, yeah, is there anyone else? Shows he can hit lefties. He's a top thirty guy. It's just he hasn't done it yet. That's fair. That's super fair. Is there anyone else you feel like? Maybe it's the fantasy community or the baseball community as a whole is a little bit too high on right now. Putting you on the spot here a bit. <laughs> I don't know. Who's like, someone that's super high? That's, that's, I don't know. If you don't have anyone right there, I'm not going to make you uh, stretch to throw some cold water on someone. I don't like you. I was just a little yeah, curious I'm, there. If I'm there's anyone. On, on fantasy rankings, to be honest. Or real life. Yeah, it doesn't. Either one. I just wasn't sure if there's someone that you uh, had a strong opinion on one way there. Uh, and then, uh, so how do you feel about the state of pitching in uh, minor league ball right now? It feels like I, maybe it's because it seems like people have been moved a lot quicker up. So there's just less like high level pitching in the minors, but it feels like there's less like depth at the top with minor league pitching right now. How do you, how do you feel about that? Um, I'm not sure. I, maybe it's because the guys, that are just drafted, we don't see them until the following year. Like Hampton didn't debut until this year, right? And he was a 22 draft guy. Yep. Like he, yeah, but, yeah, he didn't debut at all last year. That's true. I guess we're starting to see him in AFL. Like the Brewers guy, Brichard, was mid-90s, and he's, he's going to be good. Yeah. He's good. I liked him a lot. I liked him. His stuff is just ridiculous. Ridiculous movement. Like, I feel like they the, the guys that are going to – be the Hamptons, the Troy Meltons. We don't see them until next year because they're in complexes right now, developing, training, you know, improving shapes and so, and whatnot. That's fair. That's fair. Do you think there's anything to like the rash of injury? It felt like there was more than usual at the top with uh, injuries with pitching. Who got hurt this year? Espino has been hurt forever. Spina's been hurt forever. Uh, I feel like a lot of pitchers missed a lot of time this year. Job came back. That was the big like arrow up. It felt like to me was uh, oh, when Job came back. But... Did DL get hurt or was he just sent down? I think DL because uh, he was he was in the complex. At yeah, the, in July he was he was just getting back in July. I think. Yeah, you're, it felt like the majority of like the the guys that were highly ranked at least coming to the year missed time at some point this year or missed the whole season or ended up, I don't know. Those, those are rash injuries or people came up really quickly. It felt like either didn't get hurt and then got promoted quicker than I expected or, you know, but I don't know. What do you think? Do you think pitching's ticking up right now or is uh as a whole like pitching development or do you think that there's any issues there? Yeah, I think it's trending up for sure. You just see all these guys blowing up every single year. Hampton, you know, Peyton Martin guys going, gaining velo and blowing up and being high prospects. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. I'm with you there. I think that there's less like 
clear-cut top 100 guys at any one point in time in pitching right now, but there's so many like so much more depth of guys that can come up and do something exciting. And so I, I think it's pretty interesting right now. Yeah, like, breaking. if you look at the recent guys who debuted, I don't think any of them were top 100 guys. Strider, Sheehan, Wu, Bryce Miller. Like, I don't think any of them ever made a top 100 list until they debuted, and then they finally throw them on the list. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Wording a little poorly because my mind is a little bit melted from the uh, Oregon Uno game earlier today. But uh, yeah, it, it feels like there's less uh, fantasy lists or top 100 lists type type prospects than ever, but there's more guys that are going to have an impact than most years. I was going to ask you about fantasy boost uh, for any players, but uh sounds like you don't want to talk about that, so that is totally fine with me. Uh, I won't make you go down that hole, but I will ask you if you have any thoughts on anyone from the Arizona Fall League. Richard, good. Locklear, really good. Barry, terrible. Um... <laughs> I, I think I caught in the end of your top 100. I think I saw Jerry, uh, Jacob Berry get a shout out somewhere in there in the, the end, like honorable mention, like as like a bench player or something like that. He, he deserves the, the <laughs> yeah. That, that caught my eye. I thought that was pretty funny. So you finished up working with the Cubs, you're going to school. What's next for you? Hopefully win my fantasy league, my fantasy football league. Oh, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully our baseball team, William Mary, goes to a regional this year. Uh, and that's probably it, those two things. Graduate, too. That'd be nice. That's that's an exciting list right there. Obviously, the fantasy football most important. But uh, who's, on, who's on your squad? I don't know. I trade everybody every week. Oh, it's like that? I, yeah. You're, I had, you're a turner? I, I traded Russ to get James Conner, and then he got hurt. I traded for Derrick Henry. Yeah, I like to make fantasy fun. Trading trading people is too much fun. How deep the league you in? Twelve. Twelve. Okay, so standard, standard. I was sure if it's a super deep league and you're trading like that, I was like, that's that's aggressive. That's how you got to do it, though. My team, I've had a run in my home league. Like it's, it's been going for a while, but made ten consecutive playoffs, and this year it just like has all gone south on me so hard right now. I got just three straight years. In the third year, I traded my top five picks for money, and I still won it because Lamar carried me. And then I've been that's, on a, <laughs> I've been on a downhill slope since then. That's uh, it's tough when you peak, man. Rebuilding, rebuilding, but it's exciting. Well, I had fun talking to you, man. It is super late. It's got to be about one o'clock your time right there, but. I was happy to talk to you, man. I, it's something I was really looking forward to. I think that you've got one of the more unique processes, but without like trying to go crazy, everything's sound. And uh, I always get excited when I see that you're putting something out. So best luck to you in the fantasy season. Best luck to William Mary baseball team. Uh, we had a lot of fun. Uh, Mariners draft one of those players this year. And uh, also best of luck to your graduation process, man. I'm excited to see what comes next. Thank you. Uh, as long as the as UW doesn't play in Colorado, I hope they win. Are you are you a Colorado guy? You a team? DR? Yeah, I, I'll I'll jump on the bandwagon. They're fun to watch. I respect someone jumping on the bandwagon after a loss to Stanford this week, <laughs> and the way that went down. That like that's the right way to bandwagon. Buy low, buy low. Yeah, yeah, because next year that's when it's going to be good. Hey, that Big Twelve, it's going to look pretty winnable next year. We'll yeah, be interested. You get Shadour back, right, and Hunter. 
Uh, yeah, if Shador doesn't come out, Hunter, I think, can't go out. So uh, I think that he's got to come back either way. They'll be interesting, man. They're fun to watch. They're fun to watch. I don't know if they're good or if, or not, but they've got some definitely good players. And they're a lot more fun to watch than they were last year, as I can say, as someone who played them last year. It's been a big upside. Well, fun talk to you, man. I will let you get to sleep, but thanks for coming on here. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you.